to everyone today. Um, I am going to have to give a, a little preface to the message. Um, I, uh, I'm a little uh, difficult of speech today, which is unlike me. Um, I, uh, our family's just been struggling with a lot of sickness and things like that, and so I've been trying to save my voice, and so if you're not seeing me walk around and say hello like I normally do, I promise I'm not being a jerk or anything. Um, I'm just trying to rest my voice, and uh, I'm going to give you guys everything that I got this morning because I believe in this message. I believe in what we're going to uh, be going through, and if my voice just completely goes out this morning, I'll do the rest of it in interpretive dance. So uh, some of you are hoping that my voice goes out. Um, I shouldn't have said that. Today we're going to wrap up our series on values as we have been learning all of the core values of Word of Grace, the things that we derive and base solely on Scripture that help to articulate and carve out for us the things that we believe are important to the lifeblood of this congregation, and not only that, but all of our lives as well. This is something that we can very much take into practice and be a value of our everyday lives. And as we go through these things, let's just read these off together. So we're going to put these on the screens, and I want us just to read these together. Let's read the first one here together. We keep Jesus at the center because Christ alone is the hope of the world. The second one, we are willing to give up what we believe for truth because Scripture defines truth, not our ideas. Number three, we prioritize prayer because we believe when we pray, we deepen our dependence on God. Number four, we do life together because we are better together. Number five, we are contributors, not consumers, because we recognize what we have been given isn't just for us. Number six, we are people first because we want people to know they are valued by God. And then the one for today, number seven, we say yes to greater things because we are called to live in light of eternity. Lord, help us to do this. Help us to live these things out. I ask for your Holy Spirit just to empower me to speak your message with clarity, authority, and in health as well, Lord. So I ask for your strength, both physically and also depending and leaning into your Holy Spirit. Give ears to those who would hear what the Spirit would have to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and go in your Bible to Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. We're going to read verse 35 through verse 38. Matthew 9, verse 35 through 38 says this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
as we're talking about saying yes to greater things because we're called to live in light of eternity, I think that this scripture really helps to carve out and establish that idea of living for something greater than yourself. There is a greater purpose than just you figuring out how to do your best version of you. There is a greater purpose that spans beyond everything in life that we're told we should be striving for in matters because there is an eternal thing that we are pursuing, an eternity that we are, that we are working towards and living for and, and have in mind and in our heart. And because we're keeping eternity at the forefront and keeping it in our hearts and minds, it helps us to have perspective and it drives us to say yes to greater things, the things that really matter in eternity. And Jesus himself said, we have a role in this that we need to be praying and asking that the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors into this harvest because he's concerned not just with our temporal comfort, not just with things going our way in the here and now, but he's concerned about eternity, amen? And we should be concerned about eternity if we are followers of Christ. And as a church, we should be living in a way that demonstrates we are concerned about eternal things over temporal things, over our own comfort. It's easy to prioritize your own comfort. It's easy to just chase after the things that make you feel good and how to enhance your own life. But it is a completely other thing to think in light of eternity, Lord, what pleases you? What moves the needle to see more people come to Christ and hear this gospel message? And what's my role in this thing? Because saying yes to greater things, it starts with the heart of God. It helps us to see what matters to God. Jesus was moved with compassion in this text. What prompted him to say this to those who were listening that day? What moved and motivated the heart of Jesus to speak these words that we just read? He saw people who were just harassed, who were helpless, who were wounded, who were, were hopeless and wandering around aimlessly like they had no purpose in life whatsoever. And Jesus was moved with compassion because he saw them and he likened them to sheep without a shepherd just moving around but not going anywhere, being busy and eating and, and, and drinking and, 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 and living and, and, and procreating and, 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 and just moving throughout. And, 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 but what's the point? What's the purpose? There has to be something more than just our mere existence. And Jesus said they were scattered. They were, they were fragmented. They were like sheep without a shepherd. This was the heart of God for people in that moment. And I believe that it's still the heart of God for people today. And Jesus said this, that the harvest is plentiful. And he told us specifically, we should be earnestly praying, earnestly praying, prioritizing prayer, earnestly praying that the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors into the harvest. Now, this is just my own thought here, so take that for whatever it's worth, but I think that that means the text is assuming that if you are praying, you are already a part of the laboring force, that you're already someone who's engaged, that you're not praying passively for someone else to do it. 
but you are actively engaged and because you're actively engaged, your heart is so moved to pray that more people would come to the realization of prioritizing eternal things over temporal things. That's just my thoughts there. But I think that the text assumes that because it isn't someone else's job. And we can see, as we talked about uh, last time in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, where uh, Paul, the apostle, told us that we are ambassadors for Christ. If we name Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're ambassadors, we're representatives. It's, it's as if we were, we, we were being uh, uh, used by God to speak and preach this message to implore others to be reconciled to God because we've received this message. We've received this grace. We've received this forgiveness. We've received this adoption that has come by the Spirit of God through faith in Jesus Christ and what He's done. And it's put us in a position now to actually be an ambassador for Christ, not just in the way that we live, but with the intentionality and the purpose in which we live the life that we are called to live. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. I'll give you plenty of time to find There were people in the cafe that were making like concoctions for me and stuff. And Pastor Keith brewed something back there and made it for me. So I don't know what it is. So I don't know what I just drank. But man, it's making me feel a little better for what it's worth. Thanks, man. <laughs> back there making up their, their, their little concoctions. All right. Hebrews 11 and uh, verse 4. We're going to read through verse 16, okay? Hebrews 11 and 4 says, by faith. Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him, listen, by accepting his gifts and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken... He was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he, commend, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise." For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead 
were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Listen to this, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out of, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Man, oh my goodness. I heard Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and I heard Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I heard these things preached and taught and, and, and picked apart a hundred different ways growing up. But I never heard verse 13 through 16 taught in the context because we never got to that part. I think sometimes we're just so concerned with, with now and we're just so concerned with what we're doing right now and how I can make my life better now and how I can escape this difficult situation now and how I can be happier now that we miss verse 13 through 16 and we'll use verse 1 to think that that's somehow a formula to make our current situation improve because oftentimes that's all we're concerned about. We're not thinking about verse 13 through 16. But if you look at all of these people, people that are called heroes and heroines of the faith, people who believed in God and trusted Him and trusted in the promise, verse 13 said, all of these died in faith, not having received what they had pro were promised. Well, that's kind of discouraging. Oh, man, bummer. But no, 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 that's not discouraging. Because if you keep reading, you see that these people were living for something greater than the here and now. They were living for something eternal. And the motive, the reason that they were able to continue trusting God, even though Abram did not see all of the, his descendants as grains of sand and stars in the sky, he just trusted that God was going to do it because he knew God was faithful. He didn't get to see all of that. He greeted it from afar he got a taste of it. You see, you and I, we, 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 get a, we get a taste of some of those heavenly things here in this life, but we don't experience every single thing here in this life because this life is not the goal. We should live like eternity matters and like eternity exists, and you and I struggle with that because we don't really have a grasp of what eternity really means. We have our ideas of eternity. We can try to explain it in human terms, but really, we don't get it, do we? And so we're living for something we don't fully understand. Well, that would seem to require something. Oh, wait a minute. I got the thing it might require. Faith. Living for something I don't, I, I, I can't fully explain. I can't fully understand. But living in a way where I'm convinced and convicted that it is true and it changes my priority, and it puts my heart and my life priorities in a position to say yes to greater things. So I'll say no to temporary things, oftentimes because I'm living with a value of saying yes to greater 
things. It's my why. Verse 13 through 16 explains why they were able to say yes to greater things. Let's look at that again. Let's look at verse 13 through 16 because it's awesome. And I feel like you're you're not quite on board yet. Either that or you're just straining to hear me. I don't know. One of the two. Let's read this again. It's worth it. I don't care if my voice goes out on this. If this is the last thing I say, this is good. Verse 13 through 16. These all died in faith. Wow, wow. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They were acknowledging, listen, I, I am a stranger and an exile on this planet. This is not my eternal home. This is not the goal. I'm not just living for my own comfort. I'm not just only living for what I can experience here and now. No, no, no. I'm acknowledging I am a stranger. I'm living for something I I can't quite grasp. I can't quite explain that I don't quite understand. But it's changed my priority. And it's changed how, how far I'm willing to go with God. Abram went all the way to being willing to sacrifice his son. Noah went all the way to building a boat. Took him 100 years to build this boat. Never rained. What? Come on. You want to talk about give it up. <laughs> and, and, and we think it's tough just to make it through, you know, two months of Weight Watchers. I mean, and you got, and you got, you, got, you know, we can't keep a New Year's resolution for, for longer than, you know, four or five weeks. And here you got Noah for 100 years. Come on, somebody. A hundred years. This man was trusting God, looking like a fool because things weren't going the way that perhaps people expected them to. And they were like, just do what you want to do, bro. Don't worry about that. It's not going to rain. He knew. He trusted. Think about this. Verse 14. For people who speak thus Make it clear they're seeking a homeland. The writer of Hebrews is saying, people who talk this way, they live different. People who talk like this, they're thinking about eternity. People who talk like this are going to be able to say yes to greater things when God speaks, when he leads, when he directs, when he guides. When we see something in Scripture that's a value of God, we're going to be able to pick that thing up and own it and, 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 and put it and insert it into our lives a lot easier if our heart is His, we're surrendered to Him, we're living as ambassadors of Christ, we're going to be able to say yes to the things that matter to the heart of God. He said, they speak this way. Verse 15, if they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. If they would have been focused on just getting comfortable and going back home and just living a comfortable life, they would have gone. They, they would have made that choice. They had the opportunity. It wasn't like what the writer is saying is that God didn't force them to do this. This wasn't like God just, you know, reached through the spirit realm, grabbed them like a robot and just ordered them around. No, these, these people went willingly because they loved God. They were trusting him. Verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country. Shows you where their heart is. They're desiring something else. That is what? A heavenly one. And look, what's the response of God to this? This is beautiful. What's the response of God? Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. He's not ashamed to be called their God. 
When you live like eternity matters, man, God's not ashamed to be called your God. What? Think, think about all these jokers we just read. We go, woo, wow, man, man, these great people of faith. Yeah, they were some goofy jokers too. How many of you have been reading Genesis going, I didn't know Abraham did that? Anybody read something that made you go back and go, hold on, let me read that a second time. These people were not perfect, were they? Something shady happened with Noah, gets drunk, kids seem naked. What's up with that? I have no idea. That was weird. Abram goes and, 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 and all of a sudden, you know, uh, the Pharaoh says, hey, uh, that lady you're with, she looks fine. And instead of saying that was his wife, he goes, yes, my sister. It's cool, bro. And, and I mean, he lies. And, and he doesn't just do that once, he does it twice. I mean, <laughs> these guys were not perfect. These guys were not these people who had everything together in their lives. I think sometimes we get caught up thinking that. I think we get intimidated by other people's walk, and we think that someone else has it all together, and I'm the one who can't figure it out. And I think that's a big lie that the enemy tells us, and if we buy into that lie, it will keep us from saying yes to greater things because we never feel like we measure up. We never feel like we're good enough. And I think the enemy loves to do that to people, and he loves to do that in the context of church because he loves to whisper lies into people's ears to make you look at the person sitting next to you and go, oh man, I'm not as spiritual as they are. Oh, they have the perfect marriage. Oh man, their children are perfect. Oh man, wow, they, 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 they probably have you know, no bills and, and no debt and no financial challenges. Oh man, they, they, everybody seems to like them. Oh, they're so friendly. They're so outgoing. Oh, they're so wonderful. They just have everything together. They look like these perfect people and you have no idea what's going on in their lives. And they may be thinking the same thing about you. And it keeps us from being real, keeps us from being authentic, it keeps us from opening up our chest and sharing our heart with other people. It keeps us from sharpening one another. And it keeps us from saying yes to greater things because we're more concerned about measuring up to someone else's standard rather than just living our lives to please God and putting our, our hope and our trust in Him. And yes, we will fall short. Yes, we will mess up. But thank God in His Scripture, 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sins, He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Thank God that his mercies are new every morning, amen? These people weren't perfect. So why were they called righteous? It was because of their faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. They were living like eternity mattered because it does. It puts our heart in a position to say yes to greater things. So here's the question today. What investment is God calling you to make in eternity? This is what I want you to think about. What investment is God calling you to make in eternity? In other words, what, what faith step is God asking you to take? What sacrifice is He calling you to make? What is the thing that He's calling you to live for? Something greater that he's put in front of you, that you need to say yes to, that will please him, that will line up with his word, that will bring him glory by you trusting him in that area of your life. Is it something that perhaps you've read in scripture before that you've been hesitant because 
You like control because you like predictable outcomes because you like the feeling of this sense of security, knowing how and when and where and having all, all, all everything figured out and, and, and you don't really want to step out and do that thing because of maybe what it would cost you, maybe the friendships that would cost you. Maybe you have to begin hanging out with some different folks. Maybe it would cause you to, to, to be uh, uh, outside of what's comfortable for you. Maybe it would stretch you. Maybe you would have to reprioritize your schedule. I don't know what it is, but I believe that you do. I believe you know that thing that God's put on your heart or that thing that you've seen in Scripture. And these are the things that God's wanting us to say yes to, the things that He's putting in front of us, the things that you regularly get confronted with. I don't know about you. It's just me, all right? So I don't have a scripture verse for this. This is Derek's experience. So take that for what it's worth. But when God's dealing with me about something, he normally, or I believe what I believe is God leading me, he'll normally confront me with it over and over and over again. Has anyone else had that experience where it seems like you can't outrun it? It's like, really, this again? And then the moment you try to deviate, he goes, no, 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 no. And it might be through stupid stuff. Like a friend comes over that you haven't seen in a while and they say, hey, I just hadn't seen you in a while. I've been missing you. And, you know, how's this and this going? And you're like, man, how did you know? Or maybe you, you, you decide to, to read a blog or something, you know, it looks interesting to you and it seems harmless. And then you go and you read it and you're like, there it is again. Or maybe you click on a podcast or you come to church or you get in your, your community group and, and, and someone decides, oh, you know what, I've really been thinking about this and this lately. And you're like, oh my gosh, do you have cameras in my home? Get out, you freak. <laughs> you ever have those experiences? It seems like God is trying to tell you something and maybe your daily scripture reading that day may speak to something similar. Whatever the case may be, can, can I just humbly submit to you today that perhaps that may be the Holy Spirit trying to get you to say yes to greater things. That stirring in your heart that you may have just dismissed as being in the moment, that you may have dismissed as just being emotionally riled up and in the moment, could it have been the Holy Spirit? Could maybe the Holy Spirit be trying to train you to hear His voice by leading you and guiding you and showing you over and over and over again? And have you stopped and thought, maybe that's the Lord? Have you thought, and here's a fun one, have you thought that perhaps maybe the thing that's on your mind right now could be God speaking to your heart and he's wanting you to say yes to that greater thing, the thing maybe you've been scared of? the thing you've made a lot of excuses for, right? We're good at that. We're good at making those excuses. But is it God perhaps leading you? Is it God directing you? What investment is God calling you to make in eternity? I can promise you one thing about saying yes to greater things, that it won't be convenient, or you would have already been doing it, right? Um, it'll probably be outside of what's comfortable. Otherwise, you would have already been doing it. Um, 
It's probably something you already know. You don't need someone to, to prophesy over you, to give you a word you, you probably already know. You don't need to read another book. You don't need to go to another conference. You probably already know. And whatever that thing is, how are you saying yes? And, and, and listen, don't, don't, don't get intimidated. Don't get intimidated. Don't let the enemy trap you into this. Where you think, I'm going to say yes to God, and you're going to go from A to Z overnight. Hello, somebody. It, 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 amen or oh me, right? Don't think just because you said yes to God, you're going to go from A to Z overnight. In other words, that thing that you stepped up, that you raised your hand, you said, yes, Lord, here I am. That all of a sudden, boom, it's just going to happen. It's going to be smooth sailing. Oh, boy, it's going to be great. No, listen, I could tell you the story of what God has done in my life and in my wife and I's journey and our family's journey. And I can tell you, man, it's been a lot of this. It's been a lot of this. It's been a lot of this, a lot of stretching, a lot of, a lot of lefts when I thought we were supposed to go right, a lot of bad decisions on our part, having to work through some things to find healing, but God being faithful the entire time. And I can look back and see, so, so don't fall into the trap of thinking you got to go from A to Z just because you say yes. Maybe today is the day where you raise your hand and you say yes to God, and, and you think whatever that thing is that, that's in your heart is just supposed to, boom. Maybe it's the beginning of the process. Don't ever undervalue or underestimate process. God is a God of process. Could God have created everything that exists in a moment? Could he? Yes or no? Yeah, he could. But he did it in a process. He did it in a sequence. God didn't have to say, let there be, and then this is a day one, and then let there be, and then there's day two. He didn't have to do that. He wasn't constricted by anything that hindered him to operate that way. But when we see the way that he operates, it reveals to us a piece of his heart and a piece of his value system. And we see that God is also a God of process. When God anointed you, Samuel, the prophet, to anoint David as king over Israel, did David instantly become king over Israel? No. He began this process. When, when Jesus was born, did he immediately die on the cross for our sins? No, that'd be weird. He grew up. He lived. He taught. There was a process involved. You see, it's not always this instantaneous thing just because we raise our hand and we say yes to the Lord. I just want to encourage you not to get discouraged. Don't get weary in well-doing when you step up and you say yes to the Lord. There will be peaks. There will be valleys. There will be times where you have to, where you have to be reminded like, through messages like this that you still need to keep saying yes, that it's worth it, that you need to have your, 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 your priorities reset, refocused, kind of shifted just a little bit to be able to reprioritize those things. Oh, yeah, I've forgotten. I've gotten off path. I've drifted. And can I tell you, sometimes we drift and, and, and we, we become delusional to the drift because we don't even think we have drifted because we're living off of the past successes. But can we be honest enough with ourselves to say, Lord, I, I have gotten away. I've gotten away from staying on task, from saying yes. Whatever that step is, whatever that thing is, what investment is God calling you to make in eternity? I want to read one more scripture before we close our time 
together here, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. This is the quietest you guys have ever been. It's kind of weird. It's like I'm telling you guys a secret. That's what it feels like, like we're, I'm telling you a secret. I hope it's not like the telephone game where you're hearing something completely different. <laughs> the pastor was way off in this doctrine today. <laughs> Second Corinthians 9 and verse 6 and 7. Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. He says this. He, he says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, this text is specifically talking about generosity with material things, but I, I, I don't necessarily want to just talk about being generous with material things. I want to zoom in on the heart of God here in this moment and pull out the principle. What is the principle here in this text that shows me something about what God loves? God loves someone who is cheerful in giving. Yeah, material things, yeah, we can that's that's the that's the proper application of that scripture, but at the at the foundational level God loves someone who is loving to give. Is that your time? Is that being inconvenienced for the kingdom? Yes, Lord, I won't just willingly, I will cheerfully raise my hand and say yes. I won't just willingly go, yes, Lord, here I am. I will cheerfully do it. Why? Because it's a response. That's all it is. Any offering I give to God, whether it's my body as a living sacrifice, or whether it's something material, or whether it's my time, whatever it is, I don't want to just give it. I want to do it cheerfully because I see in light of eternity, this is the greater yes. This is the greater thing that I'm investing in. This is the greater thing that I'm raising my hand for and signing up for. This is the, this is the greater thing that matters more than anything else because I want to live in light of eternity. Because I live with a deep conviction like those people we read about in Hebrews 11. A deep conviction that says eternity matters more. So here's our action step. We have these cards. And you can grab one of these on your way out if you don't already have one. And if you're watching online, there's a link that's going to be provided where you can go and you can fill one of these out. And if you're in the jail, they're going to be passing these out to you at this time as well. Where you can have just a little memento. It's not anything I'm asking you to do anything in response to turn something in. You can if you want. You don't, you don't have to. There's a little perforated deal on the bottom. But this card says, I said yes to God. That's what it says on it. And I want this to be an action step for you because maybe for your family to decide some things together, you want to talk about it. Maybe this, is, maybe this is a conversation piece over lunch today with your spouse or your family. Involve your children in this. Explain to them what God's doing in you as a parent. Talk to them. What are the things we need to say yes to? Because you're going to have to say no to something if you want to say yes to greater things. So what are we as a family going to say no to so we can live in light of eternity? Because we believe this because we're Christians first. And also because we're a part of Word of Grace. And as this church family, we want to be a body of believers who are living with this value.
maybe today is the day of your salvation where you put your faith in open Christ, where he's opened your eyes to see your need for him, that he alone has paid the price for your sin. And maybe you have been not valuing that or, or maybe you've just been going through a form. You haven't really given your life to him and surrendered to him. Maybe today that's your yes where maybe the Holy Spirit's just opening your eyes in a very powerful way and the gospel message penetrates your heart. What do I do, Pastor? Repent. Put your faith in Christ. Lord, I see you. Jesus, I need you. Thief on the cross, will you be, will you remember me? Jesus, I need you. I value you. I want you. Maybe that's what you're saying yes to today. Maybe you've drifted. Maybe you've drifted. Maybe you're the type of person that you've said yes to some things before. God's put some things on your heart and you've stepped up. Maybe you stepped up in a big way and maybe someone hurt you. Maybe you were disappointed. Maybe you're disappointed by a pastor or a church leader. Maybe you're disappointed by a family member or maybe you're just disappointed by the way people responded when you made this big announcement of something you were going to say yes to God about. And you were so excited and full of zeal and passion. And you told people that you trusted, hey, I said yes to God today, and this is what I did. And they were like, you did what? You're going to throw all this away? You're going to do all this? You're gonna do? And, it, and it wounded you, and, and it's kept you timid. Hey, it's callings of God. They're, they're without repentance. They're still there. Can I tell you that God hasn't changed his mind about you? Can I tell you that the gifts that he's put in you, they're still there? Can I tell you that, 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 that the longings of your heart that he put in there, if he put them in there, he didn't go, whoop, change my mind. No, those, those giftings, those callings are still there. What do you need to say yes to today? Some of you, maybe you need to say yes to God because he's wanting you to reconcile with some people. Maybe there's some relationships that things are tense. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to work to make some things right. Maybe you need to say yes to God because he's calling you to, to maybe look at your time differently. Maybe look at your resources differently. Maybe look at your relationships differently. Maybe look at your influence differently. Whatever the case may be, write it down. Keep this as a memento. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it. Put it on the fridge. Put it, uh, tape it to your mirror. Remind yourself daily, I said yes to God. So when, when you have a tendency to drift, you go, oh yeah, I said yes to God. Put, put it in your car. Put it in your purse. Put, 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 it, put it at your desk at work, whatever. Just remind yourself, I, I said yes to God. So that's the purpose of this, is just to give you a reminder to live in light of eternity. Give you something to remind you of the challenge today. To continually say yes, because it's not a one-time deal. We need to say yes to God continually. Amen, church? Amen. So if we corporately as a church will commit to say yes to greater things, if we corporately as a church will say yes to deepen our dependence on God, I believe we will make a significant impact on eternity together. And that's what I want us to do. Do this together. It's in the spectator sport where we only watch this one or that one chase after God where we do this together, where we spur one another on, where maybe there's somebody you ask to hold you accountable. Maybe, maybe you ask them and you go, hey, what, what, what did you say yes to God about? 
maybe you should go out to the community group wall. I, I have some, some study guides that I write. I, I write these every week, by the way, and they're always in those trays at the community group wall. And you, you can go pick those up. You ladies at the jail, we provide these, these community group study guides for you every week. Use these. Hold each other accountable. Go deeper together. Do this with another person. If not your spouse, maybe a friend, maybe a coworker. Maybe, maybe because you're, you're, you're upping, maybe your commitment was last week to up your friendly game. Maybe that new friend that you made. Maybe that new relationship, that person you said hello to, that you were trying really hard to remember your name. Oh man, I remember their face, but I don't remember their name. Just tell them that. It's okay. We're Christians. We forgive each other for stuff like that, right? Like, I don't expect everybody to remember my name. You shouldn't expect everyone to remember. That's cool. I'm sorry, I forgot. I know I met you last week. What was it again? Oh, yeah. Hey, what did you say yes to God to about today? Maybe that's your action step before you leave. Online, engage in the chat room. What are you saying yes to God? Maybe you type that out. Just as an accountability piece, put that out there. Maybe you follow that link and you ask somebody to hold you accountable. Maybe you ask the moderator just to, just to shoot you an email or something. Say, hey, how are you doing? How's it going? Are you still saying yes to God? Don't forget your call. You ladies in the jail, maybe you find somebody to hold you accountable. What, 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 maybe somebody who's in the pod with you. You can, you can say, hey, why don't we hold each other accountable to this? Let's say yes to God in greater things. Whatever the case may be. Let's grow together, amen? Let's pray, because we can't do this on our own. Jesus, help us to do this. Help us to live in light of eternity, to say yes to greater things. You are more valuable than anyone or anything. And we admit and confess our dependency and our need upon you alone, Jesus. There's no one greater. So Jesus, I pray you would stir in us purpose. Stir in us, Lord, a value system that would please and honor our heavenly Father who has adopted us as his own. Thank you, Lord for your goodness. Help us to live in light of eternity. Give us the strength and the courage by your Holy Spirit to say yes to greater things, to live with a deeper and greater conviction. In Jesus' name, amen.